Good, Blake. How are you today? I am well. So this is the Summit Realty Group podcast. Of course, I'm Blake Shrekeyes. And I'm Nick Williams. All right. Today, we wanted to talk not really about real estate, but real estate adjacent. Um, a lot of people come up here and have never dealt with wood stoves. And we delved into a little bit in a previous episode, but I really love burning wood. And I thought, man, I'd love to do a quick episode just like, hey, you just got your house. You got a wood stove um, or pelt stove. We'll go into a few different options. Here's what you can expect going forward, how to use it. Um, it's obviously simple in a way, but just like anything, like to master it, it's uh, you delve in pretty. It's hard form, yeah. yeah. And so uh, Alaska is known for its wood stoves, uh, different heating options, that kind of stuff. Um, we don't want to insult anybody. We know that everywhere in the United States, all the way down to Florida, you got wood stoves and such. But what we right. do want to, you know, emphasize is the weather conditions here and what that does to your wood and how important the heat is to your house and how it can actually save you a lot of money. The biggest misconception I see is always with the content, moisture content of the wood. So, um, you know, a lot of people think they can come up here, they can just cut down a tree and start burning it right away. Mm-hmm. And so that's the biggest misconceptions. We're going to go into numerous different ones throughout this episode. I'm going to kind of be the ignorant one when it comes to wood and pose all the questions to you, Blake, and then uh, we'll kind of talk about some alternative options as well. Yep. So I am by no means a master. Like, I'm still new at this. This is like my second season, like legit burning wood. I mean, I've burnt wood before, but like actually trying to do it right and, you know, use like this year, I've not turned on any fuel sources, which is great. And I'm trying to do that throughout the whole year. So harnessing your inner lumberjack. Yeah, I really love it. So I, I guess I didn't have, <laughs> I have notes. I don't forget anything, but in the notes, like it's unlikely, depending how much money you make at your job. It's unlikely that wood cutting wood will save you that much money because it takes so much time. Time and effort. Yeah. yeah so you got to make that decision for yourself. If you're like, you know, again, it depends on you. But if you're making maybe twenty or thirty thousand a year just starting out in life, it's probably worth it to chop wood. Absolutely. It, it does take weeks and weeks. Um, I don't know. For me, I the reason I do it is not so much the money, although I like that. It's I really enjoy it. in the summertime. Yeah. Like I just enjoy doing it's it. It's a so, good hobby mm-hmm. chore, if you will. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Go outside, cut down a tree. Chop it, split it, stack it, dry it. Yeah, it's a good it's, way to pass some time. It, it feels really good. Yeah. So, um, okay, so let's start with the different types of wood stoves. I kind of said that. Um, but the first one is not a stove, it's a fireplace. Right. So a lot of people in the South are more used to a fireplace. Correct. It's all it is. It's just what you think. It's an opening in the wall with a chimney. That Masonary chimney. It goes all the way to the top. you got mm-hmm. this little concrete thing sticking out of your roof line. That's yep. your So chimney. super inefficient. We do have those here. Um, there's Usually very, in town. Those are more like your, or, you know, Urban homes. They're mostly for looks. They is are. what I would say the most. I, I mean, call they them aesthetics. On, they put yeah. on a little bit of heat. It is still yeah. fire, but there's nothing that, no thermal mass that retains that heat, right? Like mm-hmm. you do with a wood stove. It's just right. a pretty fireplace for your stockings around Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Most of that heat goes up your flue and out your chimney. Yep. Yep. You have very little control um, on them. You can't change airflow or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is obvious, the stove, uh, right. which is a, usually a box, a metal box. Big metal black box usually. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put it into two different, there's like the more classical kind, I guess you can say. And then there's the, um, well, there's a bunch of variations, but the catalytic converter, mm-hmm. like a Blaze King where it, smoke is, if you didn't know, smoke is unburnt energy. Yep. Um, so as your wood burns, it creates smoke. The catalytic converter, same as in a car, is reburning that smoke. So whatever energy is left in that smoke. So 
gets off more energy. Of course, there's always going to be some that's going out, but they get pretty darn efficient. And there's a gradient. There's a bunch of different technology when you get in all. And that. the reason they're pushing these new things like catalytic converters is not just the heat capture, but it's also the reduction of emissions. And Absolutely. so that's the big thing going on in Fairbanks. The EPA has been finding us as a borough for a while due to the emissions that we have. I'm sure if you've been here long enough, you got some air quality alerts, especially in the winter with the inversion trapping that smoke from everyone's chimneys. Mm -hmm. um, so the borough is working on a program to reduce those emissions. Primarily right now, they want you to switch to alternatives mm -hmm. outside of the, we'll call it the urban area, the non-obtainment area is what they're calling it. Um, but once you're outside of that, those, those regulations kind of loosen. Mm -hmm. So let's keep talking about what that catalytic converter does and how it can help you save some more money. Yeah, so I mean, and basically it's just each piece of wood that you're burning, you're getting more energy out of. Yep. And energy, when I say energy, it's heat. Yep. Um, so that's, that's all wood is giving you, it's being converted into uh, heat. Um, so you can get, just to go back to fireplace, you can get a stove insert into a fireplace. And as far as I know, depending and on- that's like a hybrid version. That's a wood stove that you're retrofitting to go into the space where the masonry yeah. chimney and the fireplace was. So it can limit you, most of the times you're limited by space. Yeah. Um, so that you have a smaller bird box and things like that. But it can be, as far as I know, it can be as efficient as just a regular, it is a regular stove. Just Put a liner in inside of it. I mean, it literally is the same thing, just you're utilizing a pre-existing yep. space. Yep. So you are, like I said, limited by mm -hmm. the opening of your pre-existing fireplace, but they have different size of these inserts. Yep, and different size stoves. So a stove- and They even have pellet inserts, so if you don't want to go get, uh, wood, you can even do a pellet insert into the same thing and, mm -hmm. and utilize that. Yeah, for sure. So stoves have doors um, and they have dampers and they have airflow controls. And again, they vary. There's a lot of variations. Blaze Kings have, you plug them in and you set a thermostat and you can, there's a lot of stuff so you can do. I don't have Blaze King. That'd be great uh, if someone's looking to sponsor that. And Blaze King <laughs> is just a model. There are different yeah. versions within that. Um, so yeah, you got big ones. You got the, the Blaze King Princess, the Blaze King King. You know, there's different sizes of yeah. those as well. Absolutely. So um, so that takes care of pretty much the wood ones. Um, then you do have pellets, yeah. which pellets are kind of wood on easy mode. It's sawdust that's compacted in these little rabbit pellets. Little, I call them rabbit pellets because it looks like rabbit food. And mm -hmm. just little pellets. Usually there's an auger that automatically drops them into the burn box. There's mm -hmm. a little bend when the ash, uh, when all the pellets burn, the ashes fall through. Mm -hmm. So every now and again, you gotta shop back all your ashes out. But then that burn box is what creates the heat. And it works just like a, a wood stove, just it's more controlled, mm -hmm. easier to turn on and off with a remote or a switch, cleaner. and it's a little bit cleaner. Yeah, cleaner. Um, the maintenance, you do seem to have to clean them more often, it sounds like, uh, just because their burn areas mm -hmm. are small. Right. They give off a whole lot less ash because just the way the pellets are made and such. It's but. essentially what a smoker is. So what you oh, have yeah. on the outside same on a smoker, thing. same deal, yeah. only difference with the chimney and heat. Yeah, yeah, and smokers, I think they're purposely burning at sub par temperatures, mm -hmm. suboptimal temperatures right. to get more smoke. Correct. You don't really want smoke, obviously, in a fire. Right. The less is the, the goal. Um, so pellet stoves are really easy. You don't, there's no tree to go chop down and get pellets. You have to buy pellets. So that's the downside. A 20 pound bag costs about seven bucks. So it'll get you about a week's worth of heat if you run it for about two hours a day, an hour in the morning, hour yeah. in the evening. Like as a supplementary thing, like if you like to back your butt up to something, it's okay. Or it if you just want to keep the, the house at 65, but yeah. then when you come home and sit in the living room, you want to get up to like 70, 80. Yeah. That, it's just a way to kind of not waste as much fuel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's another, um, I think, to back way out, I think it's a really good idea to have three um, sources of heat in Alaska. So like a pellet, we have electric, we have fuel, and I have wood. 
Um, so not everybody's going to have all What's your electric? Uh, I have little electric heaters. Oh, cool. They were already in there. Yeah. yeah. They're, I mean, you don't want to use those, but if I ran out of fuel, I had no wood. But you still have electricity. You could still keep your house yeah, freezing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But generally what happens is we the power goes out, and we are using a wood our wood stove, So, uh, which is not a problem for us. But the, the next fire kind of fireplace is gas, mm -hmm. um, natural gas. And that's what I got. So we had a pellet stove when we bought our house. We went through the Borough Exchange program, which I'll talk about in a bit, mm -hmm. um, getting rid of that solid burning fuel device and convert. They basically paid to give us a gas burning fireplace. Mm -hmm. And so that credit, just from giving them my wood stove and letting them uninstall it, putting a restrictive deed against my house. So for the next 10 years, I can't burn any solid material like wood or pellets. Then I was able to get a $10,000 grant to get a uh, gas fireplace put in. And yep. it turned out really nice. We love it, it looks great, it still produces heat, but it's nowhere as efficient as the pellet or the wood stove was. Yeah, and it's, um, well, they burn really well. Like you, they can, do. you can have uh, propane stoves, I don't know if yours is, that don't have chimneys. Like they just, they well, really- Well, it's a chimney goes out the back, but because it's so efficient, the heat can go out the back, it doesn't have to go all the way up right. your house. So it's easier to move those to wherever you want mm -hmm. based off of the plumbing just needs to go through an exterior wall. Yeah, so it's real clean burning anyways, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you're paying for natural gas. Obviously, you're not right. going and harvesting it on your own. That's or the, propane in my situation. Yeah. Um, then you have electric stoves, which are just for looks. They, they have a fake fire in front of them. That's just like a TV screen, and they pre produce electric heat just like any electric Those are like the least efficient. Yeah, those are really for aesthetics or backup purposes mm -hmm. only. Like if you just want a fire, you don't want to deal with anything. You don't have natural gas. You don't have propane. Uh, or you don't want to get propane, whatever it is, they're not really, they're not a money saver by any means. Like right. electricity, at least in Alaska, is so expensive. Um, it's a way to cheer up your home during the cold winter dark days. Yeah. And a lot of people have them for TV stands. Yep. Like it's just sitting there and they'll, you can turn the fire on and not have the heat out. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So it's just like one of those deals. Um, so already talked about efficiency. Before we get into the wood stuff, so I'm going to kind of ignore all the gas things. Yep. Do you want to go ahead and talk about the attainment, the swap out? Yeah, let's kind of talk about that. So we do have this non-obtainment area that includes all of North Pole, um, most of the city of Fairbanks, all the way up to Farmer's Loop. Once you get out in the Goldstream Valley and down Sheena Hot Springs Road, it kind of loosens those restrictions up. Mm -hmm. If you're in the non-obtainment area, you qualify for the exchange program. And uh, please check with uh, Fairbanks uh, Air Quality because these grants do change. They, they are changing constantly constantly based off the amount of funds available. Yep. But essentially what I tell most of my clients is if you have something that's unauthorized, you can keep operating that for now. The borough definitely wants you to get rid of it, but there's no penalty associated with that yet. What you do want to do though is take advantage of the free funds that are available because they can take your older fireplace and maybe turn it into a wood stove, pellet insert, or a gas um, fireplace. And all of those things should be somewhere around $10,000 in uh, that grant, mm -hmm. but it is dependent on your model, the size of your home, a lot of other factors too. So don't think that you're you're entitled to the 10 grand. I think the 10 grand is the max that you can get yeah, based it, off what's Usually it's, it's based off too going from solid fuel source, which is wood or, bullets when I say solid, um, to it's usually more in that case. They, they want oil or gas. They want liquids mm -hmm. because they burn a bit more efficient and just have less emissions. And the whole thing is to reduce the emissions, increase the air quality in the winter months especially just because like I said that inversion creates kind of like a ceiling about 100 feet up mm -hmm. and so once that uh, smoke and all those carcinogens go up into the air they kind of just turn sideways and hover right there creating a nice little fog cloud above your house yeah um, not a big deal for most people but if you are sensitive with asthma or have any kind of allergies or anything like that that are wood-based that could be irritated in the winter months mm -hmm. so we do get uh, air quality alerts sometimes especially down in North Pole where that inversion is a little bit lower than in the Fairbanks Hills yeah so the, the only things I would say to be careful about is a 
they do burn bans. Mm -hmm. It's an average about it 90 is. days of the year, mm -hmm. um, which if you look at our winters, we'll call them six months right. of like real cold, it is the coldest days. So it's kind of a huge sure. bummer when you would want to use a fireplace. Um, so I, I get the idea and I want good air quality too. I'm very frustrated. Yeah, I'm very frustrated um, in the fact that they are restricting what I feel to be a northern, like, right. Like, if you look at the northern, not just us, like Alaska, Canada, but going over into European, northern European, like, it's a huge part of, it's culture. It's man. culture. It's really wild. It's so, lumberjacks I don't want to get, like, all political on it. But, so when you do the swap out, be very thoughtful that, hey, you're signing something into your deed saying that you're not, if you're going away from wood, you're not going to be burning that and you're realizing what you're doing. So yep. and um, that's where the penalties come in because yeah. you do have this document saying yeah. that you're restricted. Yeah. If you have one before, but you haven't gone through that program, you're not, you're, you're restricted by the policies, but you're not restricted by an actual deed. Yeah. So and and to back up, if wood is your only heat source, you're excluded, uh, you're excluded from that. So, but then your house is also not financeable. So we see a lot less of that. There's very few houses I see that has wood as a primary, just because the only way you can buy those with cash. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of, uh, anyways, there's a lot of people that burn, but um, so that I just like want to put a feeler out there like, hey, if you have a wood stove and it doesn't meet standards, look at trying to maybe just get one that meets standards right. as opposed to signing things saying, hey, I'm not going to put a wood stove in. Um, Go or, from your non catalytic converter, 25 year old, <laughs> unauthorized model, get yeah. that free money to put something authorized that will last you the next 25 years. Yeah, and I'm all for uh, more efficient burning mm -hmm. stuff. Like, that's obviously... That like, I'm you all get, for. You get, well, even if you weren't worried about the air quality, which, again, I, I am concerned about that. If you're not worried about it all, you get more heat from each piece of wood. Correct. It's like, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's an easy sell. Um, they're just a little bit more expensive, especially if you have to buy one. But. Let's talk about wood a little okay. bit. So, the yep. first thing I want to start off with is when we talk about wood, we most often talk in numbers of cords, right? So, when yep. you have your wood storage outside, we don't say we have this many pounds or this many logs. We say we have this many cords. A cord is a stack of wood, usually four foot by four foot by eight foot. Yep. And that's one cord. Most people need to have several cords on their property in order to make it through the winter. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably have what, seven cords at your house? Yeah. So a few notes about that. So it's 128 um, cubic foot. So okay. that that's what a cord is. That's an American cord. There's a lot of different, like depending where you're at. So an American Imperial cord, versus which is four foot by four foot by eight. So the very strictest, um, definition of that is tightly stacked, mm -hmm. not like thrown in wood, because right. obviously there's a lot more air gaps and things. Right. So if you have a tightly stacked um, cord, that's what you're looking for. What's funny, and, um, so yeah, I have about seven cords to answer your question. What's funny about cords is you're paying per cord if you're buying them. So right. talking about wood, there's a lot of different ways. And you can buy a half a cord, but it's all priced by cord and then yeah. you divide it by half. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so the BTUs you get from wood, um, there's some wood, and I was going to kind of get into this, but different types of wood give off more or less heat. Right. And it's almost without exception based on weight. So here locally, what is your favorite wood to burn? I really like birch. Okay. Uh, so it, it depends. I, I burn mostly birch, aspen, and uh, spruce. Okay. And I burn them for different reasons. Um, a lot of the stuff that you get, you get because it's off someone's yard or whatever. Right. That's me. So I get And that's why you're burning right. those three. That's the three main trees that we have here in Fairbanks. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, like, we don't have a lot of pine trees and oak and maple and all that other no, stuff. No. We primarily have little willows and shrub brushes that grow to be tree-like. We have, yeah, alders. <laughs> damn those things. Yeah. Um, we have uh, birch trees, which are pretty common. Black spruce, which is more of a pine tree. It's, a, it's more of a sappy tree. You generally won't burn black spruce because they are so 
skinny, you're never mm-hmm. going to cut them down. You're right. going to see the big spruce or a birch or whatever right. cut that one first. Because right. black spruce grows so slow. So slow. And it's and usually a moisture over. series, and then they yeah. fall over. They're full of sap, so you're burning, and there's more stuff. That, yeah, you that's know, not my favorite. So, um, but what it, the point of the heat there is most people like, this wood is crap, this wood is good. Um, and it, it's depends on your use case, it's by weight. Right. So Aspen probably has the lowest BTU of the three I just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, or right there with spruce, because they're really light. Cottonwoods wood. are right down there too. Oh, they're you just, don't want to burn yeah. that. That's your outdoor <laughs> fire pit wood. Yeah, your yeah. cottonwoods are your outdoor fire wood. So the weight of them, so if you could be charged appropriately, if you're gonna buy, it would be great if it was feasible to go by weight, because weight is what's gonna be BTU, dry weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, wet weight, of course, is horrible. Right. Um, we'll get into the drying process and stuff. So anyways, base, basic ways of acquiring wood, Buying the wood yep. at a quarter of a time, usually two cords sometimes. You can get half cords. Usually people don't want to come drop them off for a half cord. Um, and we got plenty of places here locally where you have yeah. private sellers that are harvesting these trees, logging them, drying yeah. them, and selling them um, by the cord. Mm-hmm. And then you also have commercial vendors like Aurora Energy that does up. that up. They do kill and dried. So instead of drying them for six months, they put them through a kill and evaporate all the moisture out of them. So you can burn that wood almost immediately. They're super dry. So yeah. kiln, dried, kiln dried wood is really, really nice. Um, wood here is pretty expensive. You're usually looking minimum 400 bucks a cord yeah. uh, if you're going to buy it. So that's when I say, like, Again, depending on fuel prices in this case, it may not be cheaper to burn. If you've it got might a super not. efficient stove. Especially if you're having them deliver the wood and then all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you take the time and consideration, too, that you still have to take it and stack it in your own, mm-hmm. you know, put it off to the side. So there's a, there's a cost element and a time element. Um, and if you have the time, harvesting your own wood is obviously cheaper. Yep. You want to Absolutely. talk about that process? How do you, how do you, harvest. where <laughs> can you harvest wood legally and what is the easiest and cheapest way to do that? Okay. So depending on your neighborhood, like covenants, mm-hmm. if they don't have, let's assume there's no restrictions on yep. cutting wood. Um, your own property first is where I would start. If you have, um, you can't get trees back very easily. So don't just go cutting willy nilly. Right. Um, but if you're looking to like, I have one acre and I've cut a few cords out of it just because it was, it was like ugly stuff it was falling over it was in yep. the way so i don't like having a clear-cut piece of land and so that's always my first place if yeah. you're going to look for wood look on your property first for trees that are about to down yeah. that are downed or that are in the rotting process if you have a big tract of land by the way it's like your homesteading because there's a lot mm-hmm. of people up here at homesteading and you want a very uh, long-term living um off the grid may be the wrong word, but very self-sustaining kind of house. You want a really good fire break anyways. Um, so we do have a lot of fire. So you probably, again, larger tracts of land, you may want 100 yards. You want to uh, cut everything that's within a certain perimeter of your yeah, property. I just so if idea. everything does burn, you, it's not going to be able to get yeah, to your structure. You've got a little bit of a break there. Yeah. So that's, and I don't have that. I have one acre. If I did that, I still wouldn't have it. And I would have a treeless, you know, anyway. So you got And that's the nice thing about your property is, you know, you, you do have an acre, but when you pull into it, you have a full tree perimeter. Yeah, so you have a privacy fence that even though you have neighbors to the right, the front and the back, can't the, you them. can't see any of them. And yeah. that's, that's one of the upsides of the North Pole. And that's why, you know, I would hesitate to cut down your own trees mm-hmm. going towards option number two now. Yeah. So option number two is friends, families, acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Everybody has trees they want in Alaska here. I'm talking. And not everybody has a fireplace. Not everybody has a fireplace. So just me, it's like, um, so I haven't even gone outside my family yet. My father-in-law had so much this last year. Um, but me selling houses, not everybody sells houses. They're so like, oh, we need to cut that tree down. Like I have I'll come over on Saturday. I know. It's like, hey, I'll take the wood. You know, maybe if it's in a weird spot, I say you probably want a professional to uh, fell it, but I can I can limit and get out of your way or whatever. So there's a lot of opportunities if you are not a complete antisocial. <laughs> if right. you know anybody, right. um, you generally can get wood that way. And then the last way, which I have done, uh, is they have um, the borough has set aside tracks yep. that they want for personal burning only, not commercial. Um, up to 10 cords you can go cut. 
um, this wood. So you just go get a permit. It's like 10 bucks a cord. It's mm. really your 30. It's very, very cheap. It's basically free. You get your permit for however many cords you're going to go cut. Um, and then, yeah, throughout the year. And they're not open right now. They don't open until spring usually. And they take that timeline in consideration. And when you open up in the spring, cut the tree, stack it in your yard, dry it so it's ready for winter. Yep. Yep. So if you do cut in the spring, you are ready for winter. If you're cutting at the end of summer, you won't be dry by the time you need it for the winter. Yeah, yeah. So what you need to cut um, is obviously a chainsaw. Yep. You can do it with an axe. Uh, I've never done it with an axe. You can do it with a big handsaw. I've never done it with that. I've always had a chainsaw. I think it's worth, uh, I, you know, I, I got a nicer one. Um, but you can buy a chainsaw for 150 bucks. You can get a used chainsaw. Oh, they're used really chainsaw. nice. I would say Husqvarna or steel. I would agree. On that. So those are both kind of the top ones. They last a good long time. Um, All your safety gear, we're not going to go into details about yeah. safety gear, but gloves, glasses, maybe a hard hat, those kinds of things are you, important. You need the um, pants, I forgot what they're called now. So yeah, the, the saw-proof pants. If you ever watch a demonstration on them, that's what sold me. Like, mm -hmm. they will stop the saw blade like that. You may get nicked. At you, well, you could be worse, but it was, uh, man, made me feel way better. Right. It binds up the chain. Um, back to the chainsaw real quick. The, there's two ways to go about it. Depending how big and strong you are, um, if you're a big and strong guy, I say get as big of a saw as you can afford to get as long of a bar as you can. Yes. Um, because you don't have to bend over as much. And that, but it's. And it, it doesn't limit you on the size of the trees. I mean, we had a beaver that got into one of my property's trees and it was endangering my uh, apartment complex, and we had to cut it down. And the chainsaw we were using was barely long enough. I mean, yeah. I would say it was too small. Yeah. And so we had to do some extra cuts, and it just made the process a little bit more difficult. Yeah. If we had two to four inches more on the bar, Mm -hmm. It would have been a lot easier of a process. Better, no, um, I have Chicks a 20, dig the long chainsaws. Yeah. I have a 20 inch bar. Um, I <sighs> got a big boy. Got a big boy. Um, so a 20 inch bar is super nice. And um, again, it keeps you from having to bend over too much. It is heavy. Um, so I'm a bigger guy and I still like, I now, do it every day. You weren't three months yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this one got me skinny. I was bigger and then I cut wood and I got skinny again. But anyway, so um, it was still even tiring for me. I want my wife to do it, but every time she has a hard time, like when you cut through, and then you, the, drops, yeah, you yeah. get the weight of the chainsaw it's too much. So sometimes you And that's the dangerous sacrifices. part where you can come towards your shin or your thigh, and that's mm -hmm. where you want to be very careful is once you penetrate through that wood, yeah. that little give, you yep. just got to be braced for it. And there's a lot of safety um, stuff that's on them now. So, like, if mine kicks, there's a little hand flap, which is nice. Everyone has mm -hmm. But also it has a gyroscope or whatever they call it where if it just jerks really fast, um, it'll stop the chain. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I've yet to hurt myself, and I hope that stays God, that way. Let's um, but anyways, that's kind of the main stuff. You can get wedges, and you can watch some YouTube videos on how to fell a tree. Um, I am not the best. I can hit it within, like, maybe 15 degrees of where I want it to go now, which is good. I have yet to hit my house. Um, and there's other things you can do, too, before you cut down a tree, climb it up, tie a rope around the top, have a guideline, different things yeah. like that. Yeah. You want to uh, definitely assess the tree because you're not going to climb up a little skinny birch. No. But at the same time, those big, you know, aspens, the bigger spruce might most, be an option. Most of the stuff you're cutting, to be honest, or most stuff I end up cutting, unless you're going out there getting the big stuff, is not that big around no. here. It, it's, and and where you're monster, cutting them, there's not a lot of stuff from the fall on. Yeah. Oh, you might hit another tree or two. Guess what? You just made your life easier by not having to cut down four trees. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but... The, if you're really um, concerned, just hire somebody to cut it down. Yeah. And yeah, get, give them the few hundred dollars. Like if it's close to, I've seen some pretty amazing people like fall on things. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we got great companies here too, like yeah. uh, Fairbanks Stump Grinders. They, they're great at doing the uh, in-town tree removals or yeah, those that yeah, are endangering power lines. power lines and stuff. Yep. So definitely please take some caution when you are cutting down trees. Mm -hmm. You got a little bit more leeway if you're out in the middle of nowhere and the only thing around you is other trees. Yep. Okay, so then on the processing, and I'll kind of go through this quickly. So you've cut the tree down. There's many, many ways to do this. So I'm going to tell you the way that I get my tree 
started drying basically. So when I'm out in the field or I'm at the neighbor's house or whatever, I cut them down and then I buck them up into um, links that are multiple of 16 inches. You buck them up real good? Yeah, buck them up real good. Um, so the 16 inches is what I put in my stove. It's very standard. Some people have huge stoves. They do 24 inches. They have, there's a bunch, again, there's a million different ways. There's barrels that are that big. There's little burn yeah. chambers that are that. It all depends. 16 is pretty standard. Yep. Um, I can fit it long ways. I can fit it sideways in my stove. So it gives me optionality when I'm actually burning. So I do like usually six foot eight inches is what I want. I have my bed tailgate open. Um, if I'm strong enough to lift the six foot eight thing up. Depends it, on the girth of it. It depends on the girth of the baby. Uh, so depending on what that is, I cut it in those 16 inch and then that's what I take home. Um, so I have uh, barriers built up on my uh, truck where I can get a full cord in there. Um, it's not really weight rated for that, to be honest. Right. Uh, a full cord wet can be 2,500 pounds. His isn't, he drives a Toyota, my Ram is. <sighs> yeah. That he never used. <laughs> that I never used for a Hey, I, I tow an RV in the summer. <laughs> so you get home. So cut it out there. It's green. Uh, oh, when do you cut? So the best time to cut. So the goal for me is to have all my stuff cut before Easter, which is right around the beginning of April. And that's still when there's snow on the ground. So you are cutting in the snow. And the reason I do that is moisture content of trees varies. Right. And what we call the green up here when everything gets green, they're obviously drawing in a ton of liquid to get their leaves out. Mm -hmm. um, they start drawing that in about three to four weeks before it greens up. So here, that may even be a little bit early. Like I don't really know that you need to go that early. Um, I cut a lot of stuff after that point um, and it was it's still dry. It, depending on when you cut, if you line it into your shed right, um, pull the dry stuff first, and then you're not burning the other stuff till later anyway. So anyways, I get it home. <clears throat> That's why I cut it really early. I have what's called a saw buck, which is really nice. It's basically a um, wood, and I'm I'll try to describe this, but it opens up like a little sawhorse that you can set a log in, and it makes a V at the top. Mm -hmm. And I've spaced, you can space the wood out anyways. I know exactly where to cut to get 16 inches every time. So I put the whole piece up on there. I don't have to bend over and I just buck it up into 16 inch. I don't have to measure each one and they're all pretty darn close. Right. Um, so you can do that however you want. You can, of course you got to limb the things up, blah, blah, blah. Um, then I go through and split everything. Um, it dries quicker when it's split. Um, I use just a maul. If you don't know what maul to use, eight pounds is kind of the general, most people are strong enough to use eight pounds. And I, what is a maul compared to an ax? It's heavier, it's got a, it's got a thicker wedge on it. Um, so when you go into a wood for splitting, you want it to drive in a little bit so it's a narrow at the beginning, and then it wedges out really fast um, so it pops the wood apart. So you're not like axing through right. the long way. You're really just getting a little bit of leverage in there and popping it apart. Um, and it's usually heavy, much heavier than that. Like so keep in mind, axe. every tool mm -hmm. has a purpose, right? The yeah. axe is more known to cut down the trees, getting a clean cut, actually penetrating the wood mm -hmm. and, and slicing it. And then yeah. the maul is more of a splitting device that will separate it nice and cleanly with the least amount of effort necessary. Yep. yep. And you can do, um, I always use a maul, again, because I enjoy doing it. Um, it's very physical. It takes a lot of time. Um, you can get a, um, what am I saying? I wrote it down. I don't know why I'm forgetting. You know what I'm talking about. They have these little things on some of the malls that actually kick the wood out, um, which no. is pretty cool. Are you talking about that? You know no. what I'm talking about. I don't. We, thank you. Log splitter. Oh. It's just a log splitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, a anyways. log splitter, you can buy yeah. at Home Depot. You set your log on it. You push a button, and then an actuator comes out and splits it yeah, for so you. Yeah, so there's hydraulic. That is a great way to do it. Yeah, hydraulic. It's way faster. It's so way there's hydraulic, faster. and there is um, electric. I've heard electric i've had a buddy who split mini cords with them and really liked them they're small they're cheaper um, again i've never used any of them need so. an extension cord yep so um all you need for the mall though it's way way cheaper as you as you buy them all and you have one of your logs is your splitting log you usually have it about knee height don't want to get into all the details of that but 
split the stuff all up, and then how you stack it really matters. So there's probably going to be argument. Bark up is by far makes the most sense. I don't really understand people that do bark down. I do bark down on the very bottom layer um, of the wood to keep the ground moisture from coming up, and then I do bark up on all the others. So if any moisture, any rain or anything comes down, it sheds it um, better. So again, splitting it makes it dry quicker. And, and again, if you have a drying shed, um, those are usually open air, so there's no sides to it. It's just a lean-to, if you will, with a roof over it to prevent rainfall or yeah. snow from actually resaturating your wood. Yeah, the three big things that you need is um, you need to keep them as dry as you can. Mm -hmm. So again, like when I first cut my wood, I, didn't, I hadn't built my wood shed yet. So I stacked it all up, barked down, and you can put a tarp over it. Um, but you don't want to, what some people do is they put a tarp over the whole thing all the way down to the ground. Now you can't get that evaporation yeah. effect. Yeah, so that's not great. So if you do a tarp, it's just on top. The cheapest way to do it, I think, will probably be a tarp, but the, maybe the best way is uh, plywood. You, it's ugly. Um, but you get your stack, yeah. and you put plywood on top of the very top, and it sheds really good. It keeps most of the moisture mm -hmm. off. Uh, it's not completely perfect. So, anyways, you I would get dry. some pellets uh, pallets on the bottom. Those are usually free at any kind of warehouse. That yeah. way you're getting the wood off the ground. Yep. Then you're going to do some 4x4 four four uprights, tie them all together with a loose framing, and then throw some plywood on top. That is probably the most... It's a combination of the most cost-effective and simplest design. Yeah. You can always go professional sheds, and you can always go with sticks and a tarp, but obviously that's going to eventually collapse under snow load or too much rain yeah, or wind. Yeah, and a lot of people build it out of um, smaller trees, yes. too, so their uprights are not 4x4s. You use wood, however you want to do it. I did the 4x4, just very similar to what you're saying right. there. Um, so I got it covered out of the rain, which is really great, and the snow, so you don't have to dig it out all through the winter. Um, you want it, a lot of people don't do this, you want it facing the sunny side. Mm -hmm. People don't um, think about it when they build on their property. So I put mine where it gets the south side, obviously here, it's getting the most sun. So it's open to the south side and it gets as much sun as possible. And when you stack it, when I said a cord is very tightly packed, you don't want it tightly packed right. when you're when you're drying it. Um, the old adage is a mouse should be able to basically run through any of the cracks. So stack it loosely. Um, you don't want things falling out. So again, depending on how you built it, I've built mine where I have sides um, with big gaps. So it can stack up against it, and I don't have to worry about it falling and out. rolling out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of a big, big deal with kids. And that's where you want your slats that your wood can't go through versus a piece of plywood yeah. that air can't get through. Yeah, so this is a drying slash shed. Some people have separate where they dry it and then they move it into a shed that's all closed in and that's fine once it's dry. And people do have different process where they'll do multiple different areas. So in the house itself, you have a small pile that's your active burn pit pile yeah. where you just have a stack next oh, to your yeah, fireplace. Yeah. Then outside your back door, you have a slightly larger set. That's going to be what you bring inside next and rotate things through. Yep. Then you have the shed where you have your pre-dried ready to go wood and then you have a drying shed, which are actively drying still. So you, some people almost have a four-spot yeah. system, and it's just the quantity and dryness varies. And then as you're rotating through, you have plenty of material on hand. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I have my woodshed, which is my whole year. I have on my porch, front porch there, I have about a week's worth. And then in the house, I have about a day's worth. Yep. And so I fill it up in the morning. So, um, And that way you're not running out to the shed all the time and just doing multiple trips. You have yeah. kind of staged areas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And on, um, I want to bring this up. So again, you can't see if you're not watching. But if you want like the details of, if you want to get really good at this and if you're really into this. If you're lumber sexual. Yeah. Norwegian wood chopping, stacking, and drying wood, the Scandinavian way by Lars Midding. And it is a fantastic book that is just a joy to read. If you like wood, um, you're going to really, really like that. And it talks about, it goes into way detail on a lot of this stuff. I like Blake is a huge fan of wood. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. So um, that's pretty much the storing of it. So now you have 
So you want it dry. So I didn't maybe talk about, so you want to do it early so you have at least three or four months of it drying. Right. Uh, it takes way less time than people think. A lot of people think it takes a full year. That's, that's No, it's about case. six months on average. Yeah. So again, I started cutting mine in March um, and I'm burning that wood now. So whatever, it's been over six months. Um, well, now it's eight, eight, nine months almost. Um, so a lot of the stuff is... Nine yeah. months, yeah. <laughs> I had to do some math report. Yeah, and it's all, it's all really great, really dry. So... In, let's move into the fireplace or into the stove and let's get the thing Just started. go inside a nice cozy warm. Yep. So how do you start your fire? First, watch a YouTube video and listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a hundred ways to do anything. Here's how I do it and you do however you want. Um, I don't have a huge burn box. Uh, but anyway, so I take two pieces of dry wood. It's got to be dry. So, so hold on, just to summarize, you love wood and you have a small box. Yeah, I have a okay. small box for it. I'll insert that wood into. Um, you take two pieces, two wedges um, of like your full size wood that mm. you've split, and you put it down with a little gap in between. And then I load like two or three sheets of paper, and it's usually my kids have a lot of uh, art, and uh, they've caught on to this. They're like, hey, I drew that. <laughs> so, this is too much. We can't keep it all. <laughs> bad, bad dad. <laughs> yeah, so usually stuff that you're going to throw away, anyways, is what I use. Uh, or newspaper. Or all whatever. the moms listening right now are like, I put those in shoe boxes we and store them in the attic. We have folders of them. Like, the best make it there. The, uh, not the best. Blake has three young girls. And a small house. And a small house, and he needs to be as efficient as possible. <laughs> so, please so, don't <laughs> cancel us because. Of yeah child art abuse so this is kind of like a hybrid of what's called the upside down fire because a lot of people put in kindling first so you do your full-size wood at the bottom you put in a little bit of paper and then i put in um like if you have egg cartons that material yep. is really awesome but cardboard is really good it's like the next level up and then i stack in reverse of what you think um so kindling is just you split things down further with a little axe it's very simple so if you have kind of medium size kindling put that one layer of that and then your really small like splinter size stuff on top um, a lot of people think, hey, the heat's going to go up. You want to start with a little stuff down below. And while heat does rise, that's true. Um, embers and the hot stuff falls down. Um, so the little um, kindling at the very top, those embers will fall onto the bigger stuff and keep falling down. Um, anyways, it's one of those methods you don't have to tend very much. So I go, I start it, and I go away for like 20 minutes. And I don't have to keep like poking at it and adding more stuff on top. Um, it falls all the way down, and then it's you've got a fire going. Um, Just big, so for a different perspective, the way I used to do it mm -hmm. is you put two logs down. Mm -hmm. um, I'm lazy, so what I did is I put a fire brick in the middle. Those little $2 bricks in the middle. Yeah. I When I was burning, I was trying to burn all day, so this isn't something I do for like a one-hour fire. This is for an all-day, all-night fire, Yeah. right? Put that fire brick in the middle, put your two logs on the side, and then I stack two more on top, kind of like a Lincoln log style. Mm -hmm. And same thing, it burns out and around, and then it burns outward. Yep. There's different methods, different speed, different amount of labor that you have to watch it. I think going with a blowtorch, because I don't do matches, and I just torch the crap out of the thing, and then I walk away, close the box, yep. So is the same exact idea. What you have is a fire starter that's in lieu of kindling. Correct. Um, so it's just like a little uh, kindling thing. It's way easier to do. So so where do you get your kindling from? Do you, is that scraps from the splitting process yeah, or do you buy that separately? Oh, I, so I did say by weight, all wood um, gives off the same BTUs basically. So heavier wood is going to give off more BTUs obviously, right. but just by weight, it's the same. 
One exception is birch bark. Mm-hmm. It burns way hotter. Right. Um, so and that's great kindling. Amazing kindling. In ooh, fact, when baby. I do survival and yeah. I go through the woods, I actually take carry a little tin with me. And when I peel, uh, if you don't know birch trees, the bark actually peels off like paper. And yeah. In fact, it's a great note-taking material if you're out in the woods. Yep. It's a little bit waxy, but you throw that in there. You don't need to let it dry because it's already dry enough to pull off. Yep. And that's your kindling. And literally, if oh, you just absolutely. put a spark on top of that, that will catch. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the greatest stuff. Um, yeah, as you're splitting, little splinters come off and stuff. But for the most part, I start a lot of fires. I don't have a fireplace, sadly, efficient enough that just runs throughout the day. So I start probably two fires a day on average. Um, and I use a lot of kindling for it because it just makes it way easier. Um, but anyways, yeah, I just take a normal, whatever I've split already that's dry. I go out there with a small hatchet and... Um, you have to get good at this is probably the most dangerous part this is where you're gonna hit your thumb yeah Yeah. especially when people are trying to hold it and doing this thing like it it gets bad so definitely wear some gloves wear gloves definitely watch some videos on how to do it correctly before you do lose a finger or something so if you're really uncomfortable with it um i'm I'm trying this new thing out where you put a um or wait for it to come in the mail but basically you put a piece of wood on top of an axe coming up and you just hammer the wood down through it um, so that'd be for they the also the have this cast iron thing that looks kind of like an egg slicer or something like that. And they're usually, they come in different sizes, but it's yeah, a metal thing you about. put on top of. Yeah. And so you have your splitting log, your log that you're splitting, and you put this thing on top of it, you hit it with a hammer, uh-huh. and then it has bars that come off the side that you can hit down and basically chop right through the wood. Oh, so okay. it's it, it gets little, you get little pie-shaped pieces that are perfect for kindling. Yeah, cool. Um, so, but if you're going to do it with a hatchet and be a real man, um, yes. you get on your chopping block, you hold the piece of wood and you hold it as far back as you can. And I hold it where my fingers are facing down. So if I do hit my fingers, it's hopefully gonna be a glancing blow, but don't hit your fingers. And if you're uncomfortable at first, just swing fast enough to get the wood to seat in a little bit. Right. And then lift the whole log and the ax up and bring the whole thing down and hit it down. And it's if that makes sense in audio. And a baby I, version of that is carrying an ax, usually with a flat back yes. and then a hammer. And what yeah. you do is place it and tap it in with a hammer and then do Yep. The split. Absolutely. So, and then once you get a little more comfortable, if the piece is bigger and your hands back further enough, you can do full, you know, or if you don't need to hold the piece, if it's balancing on its own, obviously. And um, we're huge fans of drinking, but we're going to go ahead and tell you, do not consume alcohol or any kind of (laughs) mind-altering substances during this event because it could increase the chances of you harming yourself. Yep. So what we did talk about is how to prep the stove before you start it. Um, So you have, again, dampers and things to change airflow. When you're starting a fire, open all those full. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are coming into a, let's say like a cabin, mm-hmm. um, that is very cold, heat draws up. And if you have a fireplace where the box is cold, it does not want to draw properly, which means it doesn't want to suck the heat up out the chimney. So you'll start a fire and smoke will come pluming out and you're like, what the heck? So a good way around this to heat the box up is if you have a bunch of cardboard or something before you start the fire, get it hot in there, even before you put wood in. You want a nice um, hot box. You want a hot box. You want a hot box that wood. Um, it doesn't want to go in a cold box. <laughs> so that's the, the first bit. Um, and again, having the flu and everything open so it can draw properly and get the heat in. Mm-hmm. And while I'm doing my, my method of getting the kindling going, I do leave the door cracked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a different time when they close that door. I have a little, um, you've seen them, they work off of the heat. Mm-hmm. They suck, they, the fan starts The uh, convection span. Pans. Yeah, so when that fan starts spinning, I close the door. Because yep. I know it's like, hey, the box is hot. It's going to draw um, right. now. And now something, Blake was just talking about cabins. I'm going to talk more about your traditional stick-built homes. Yeah. Uh, we have in more modern homes something called HRV. That's yep. a heat re- recovery ventilation system. Mm-hmm. And so that pumps fresh air into the house and all that stuff. But it creates a vacuum in the home if it's running. And so if you do have that running, you want to turn that off. Because what it's actually going to do is create that vacuum where it's not going to want to go 
up the chimney and it's going to start sucking a lot more smoke into your house. Yep. So either one time it because those HRVs aren't running constantly and they're on yeah. timers. So time your fire so that's when the HRV is off or run over to your control panel, turn it off temporarily, get the fire going and then you can turn it back on. And this could be a real issue even beyond um, the starting up phase which is kind of a bummer. So if, if you, I don't have a tight house. I don't have an HR, an active HRV system. Um, so I don't deal with this. But if you've got a very, very tight house and you've got a fire going that's full tilt, you got the door shut, no problem. And your house is super, super tight. It can pull the smoke through the links in your chimney, which yep. sounds crazy, but that's the weakest point. So you have what's called negative pressure in a yep. house. So it's wanting to suck air in and it's wherever it's gotten it before now it may have always been getting it from the chimney but now you have a fire going that's pulling it through so um, just be aware of that like some people if you're it may not be a great thing to run while you have the fire going and that's kind of sucks because it's helpful for a lot of other house things so um, if that starts if you see like smoke coming out of your chimney pipe that is the first thing i look to take care of so beyond that the maintenance of your stove so keep the fire going you you can get a little thermometer i think everyone needs it that goes on their chimney and it, it has ranges of basically if the fire temperature is too low you're building up creosote more quickly mm -hmm. creosote is a byproduct byproduct that builds up in your chimney that will cause house fires which once a year you do want to depending on how often you burn if you're burning seven logs a year you might want to clean your chimney twice if you're uh only burning a couple logs maybe once a year if you're barely ever using this thing maybe once every two years but definitely yep. keep an eye on your chimney uh, we have plenty of chimney sweeps around here call them have them come over and service the chimney so you don't start a chimney fire yep exactly so get above a uh, certain temperature whatever it is 250 300 yep. it's not not that much uh, and then you get into a good burning zone and then you can get too hot where you will crack your firebox, uh, especially if they're steel. And, and most of those fireboxes are lined with concrete blocks. Yes. If you do crack them, you just want to replace them. And they are a special kind, so don't go to Lowe's and buy yourself a brick and put it in there. Yeah. Go buy your fire stove um, bricks, realign them all in there. It's kind of like Tetris. You have to line everything yeah. up perfectly. You probably have to take them all out to get them all back in there the right way. So definitely sketch a little diagram just so you mm -hmm. know how they're in there. But that's, uh, that's a great key because every time we are selling houses, the home inspectors look at the fireplaces. And the most common thing I see is a dirty chimney that's clogged with cure soap mm -hmm. or I'm seeing cracked fire blocks. You can crack the, the if it's cast iron, as far as I understand, it won't crack. But you can cast the you can break actual the stove. I'm yeah. talking about the, the, the blocks. Right. Inside. So you can, you'll actually crack the stove itself on the steel ones. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I was kind of just. Especially if you're going from cold and then you're putting hot. Yeah, you're changing the temperature. It's changing the size. Um, and I was like, well, how hot is too hot? Because I'm thinking like, what what's, you know, and it's like, it's like 1200 degrees. Like you're getting that sucker Right. Like the hottest I've got my fire was 500, and that's right. kind of maybe a little too much. You know, so 1,200 degrees is really freaking hot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and just, just I, I don't want to mm -hmm. diminish anybody's intelligence or anything here, but don't use any kind of fire starter. Don't use uh, lighter fluid in your fireplace. Don't use any kind of gasoline. That is all a very bad idea. Yep. And then lastly, your uh, firebox is going to fill up with ash. Um, again, depending on how often you burn it and such, um, our fire goes out enough that we let the ashes cool. Put it into a metal container because even if you think it's all cool, there might be some embers down there that are warm. Don't put it in anything plastic. It'll melt through. Um, if you have a fire that's continually going, some people just rake the embers to the side and scoop out as much of the ashes as you can. Because um, you do have, we didn't talk about it, you have whole house um, fireplaces that are usually outside of the home 
that you load with a ton. Those go through a ton of Yes, wood. that's your wood um, boilers. Those are not super common, but we still have a lot of them. Yeah, and I think it's a cool idea. Um, I don't know too much of the, like, inefficiency of it. They don't seem super efficient in my mind. Because my family in Europe runs off of this, yeah. and they burn a couple logs a day, and that produces their hot water, their heat in the house. Their okay. systems are way beyond what we have here because it's more okay. popular. Um, okay. There's more technology behind it, more, you know, because, yeah, as you know, in Europe, they're going through this natural gas crisis, the Russian pipeline, all that stuff. So this is becoming a bigger trend over there as well mm -hmm. in more of the urban areas, not just the rural parts of town. Yep, yep. Um, so that's pretty much the maintenance on it, uh, cleaning out the ash. The glass does get dirty. Um, here's one little tip that a lot of people don't know. You take a little bit of your ash, you mix it with a little bit of water to make a paste, and it will, um, in just a rag, you will clean the glass off of any of that buildup like you don't have to scrub it. It's so nice. Um, so that's a... There's one more downside to wood stoves I just thought about. So often we go into houses, especially houses that have white paint on them. Um, you don't see it in log cabins as much, but your traditional drywalled interior. Um, what you will see is if you're burning your wood incorrectly, if your back pressure in the house is incorrect, you'll start seeing these little soot lines along your uh, roof trusses. Mm -hmm. And so you have drywall on the ceiling, but you'll see these definite lines right where the trusses are. Mm -hmm. And that's because there's usually insulation in between those trusses which is warmer than the actual wood itself. Mm -hmm. And heat likes to stick to cold things, so the first place where that ash and that soot's going to stay, if it does get into the house, is going to be along those uh, trusses. And screw heads. You'll see. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. Screw heads. Screw yeah. heads. So yeah. the first thing you want to do is in the spring or after you're done burning, because you're not going to want to do this all the time, and it's not going to happen that often. It's going to be throughout the winter, and then by the spring you'll have some lines. Mm -hmm. Don't procrastinate. Get up there with the ladder and a magic eraser. Wipe that down right away, and it's going to be really easy to maintain. If you go a year or two, that's going to be too thick and caked on in order to actually get off. And you might actually have to paint over that yeah. in order to get another nice clean finish in your house. Yep, for sure. Um, so, yeah, the other, I guess one other bonus I'll say about burning wood that I think a lot of people, because I was like, I really like burning wood. I like the efficiency, uh, uh, fun to do it, but I do hate all the smoke that I mm -hmm. create uh, and the, the carbon footprint. Right. Um, so something I learned, again, from, from this book is if a tree was to fall over into the woods and decompose um, and you took, or you took that same tree, cut it up and dried it, a dry, to be very clear, dried that piece of wood and burnt it, you would put off the same carbon footprint. So basically it's a net neutral, right. um, which has made me feel a lot better. Yeah, that's that. your eco lesson of the day. <laughs> yeah, it makes you a little bit uh, more eco-friendly. So hope this is helpful. I know it's, it's very broad. There's like a million ways to do like anything that we talked about, but it's a very doable thing. I had never and this. is this. your wood fireplace 101. Yeah, this exactly. isn't your PhD level. No, education. no. And it's, it's something anybody can do. Like I came up here and had I burned wood before, yes, but like I didn't, all the stuff that goes around it, like getting the wood and finding the permits and stuff um, is kind of a big deal but it's it's not that big a deal like if you right. want to cut wood you can yeah like it's you know i'd say it. here it's one of the easier places to do it oh. there's more public land more leases given out for lumbering whereas in the lower 48 there's a lot more private land and then it's harder to get these permits yeah. less people but it's also less prevalent so yeah you don't need it as much right. um well the northern states you would but sure all right. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, hey, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, podcast. Hope you guys learned a little bit about how we heat our homes here in an alternative manner. If you guys have any questions, feel free to drop a comment down below. Yeah. Have a great day. I see you, man. All right. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh.